Now today, uh, you're going to have a real treat because we're in a special series talking about Christmas. Christmas is. And for several weeks, this has been stirring in my heart, but I've asked my wife to come and share her perspective on Christmas today. So if you would give my wife a great big hand as she comes to share. I love this lady right here. She I love you. You hear that? She loves me too. <laughs> and now I have red lips. Hey, you know what? Also, before, before you share God's word today and what's in your heart, uh, talk a little bit about the great things God's doing in some of the connect groups among the women. It's really exciting what God's doing there. So I'm going to leave it with you. It's in good hands today. <laughs> yes, God is doing great things in all of our connect groups. But, you know, this last Thursday, I gathered with some of the Bridge Women Connect Group leaders. It was the conclusion of our term. And we just celebrated what God has been doing throughout this term and Man, it was so overwhelming to hear the testimonies. I mean, so many great things. First of all, when you're part of a connect group, a smaller group, there is such strength of community that's found there. I mean, so many stories of, of women rallying around each other in different situations. And it, when people are going through difficult times, so just really being there and supporting each other. One woman, she wrote a testimony and she said that she had been looking for community ever since she moved to California. And... 20 years later, she finally found the community she'd been longing for. That was just amazing. And, and then there was just so many other testimonies about how the word's coming alive. You know, when we're in a small group and we're talking about the word and unpacking it together, it really helps us grow in the word and be able to apply it to our lives in such practical ways. And then there were so many testimonies of faith and just women really standing in faith, praying for each other. There were testimonies of business opportunities, of marriages restored, lots of healing testimonies. In fact, there were two women who were involved in different groups who had asked their groups to really stand in faith, praying for them because they had received cancer diagnosis. And by the end of the term, both of those women went back to their doctors and their doctors said they were cancer free. How awesome is that? God is so good. And there is such strength in being part of a connect group. And, you know, we'll be launching a new term of all of our groups after the first of the year. We've got so many exciting things planned church-wide after the first of the year. But one of those things, since we're talking about Bridge Women, ladies, let me just give you a heads up to save the date. Saturday, January 28th, we are bringing back our She Unites events that we haven't done in a couple of years. And and we're doing a half-day event with guest speaker Christine Kane. It's from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. You want to spread the word. Invite all the women you know and just save that date. It's going to be a great day. More details will be coming about that. But today, we are fully into the Christmas season. I cannot believe Christmas is two weeks from today. Wow, that is close. Are you ready? 
I'm not. <laughs> and it actually makes me a little bit sad too because uh, then it's going to be over. And I love the Christmas season. I don't want it to end. I grew up in Michigan and I grew up with white Christmases. I love Christmas. There's so Christmas season is just so special. And, you know, one of the things I love too is just that everywhere we go, there's reminders that we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, the one who came to be the savior of the world. Like everywhere we go, we see those reminders with the nativity scenes set up, with the music that we hear in the stores, in the mall. It's so special. I just love this Christmas season. And as Pastor Gary said, on Sundays here at the bridge in this season, we have this theme, Christmas is. And so I want to ask you to think to yourself how you would fill in that blank. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Last week, we saw that Christmas is light. Jesus is the light of the world. And he came to bring light into this dark world. Today, we are going to talk about the fact that Christmas is peace. Now, I know some of you are already thinking, hmm, that is not the first word that popped into my mind. Maybe your word was more like stress. I hope not. (laughs) But you know, sometimes this Christmas season can feel a little stressful. Maybe for you, you already have a super busy schedule, super full plate, and then everything that comes along with Christmas, the decorating and the wrapping and the, um, the gift buying first before the wrapping and then the wrapping and just all the planning and the extra things that go along with it. Maybe to you, it's a little bit overwhelming. Maybe you have some interesting family dynamics that you deal with during the holidays. Maybe Christmas is a little bit stressful in your house or to you personally, but if Christmas is all about Jesus, then shouldn't Christmas be all about peace? And shouldn't Christmas be filled with peace? And you might be thinking, Yeah, but how can it be when there's so many things happening and so much to do? Can I just tell you that peace does not mean sitting around doing nothing? That's not peace. This is a busy season. It's a busy season for all of us. But instead of getting pulled into the stress and the pressure of the season... Instead of getting pulled into those things which are actually contrary to what we are celebrating, in the midst of a full season, we can still experience the peace of God. We can still have his peace. And so right now, before we go any further, I want us to take a moment. I want you to do something with me. And all of the busyness in your life, all of the things on the to-do list or things you're heading out to do this afternoon, can we just set those things aside and ask God to speak to us today? Will you pray with me? Father, we just come to you right now, and we do just that. We lay aside the busyness of life. Father, We fix our focus on you. And God, right now, 
We are asking that you would speak to each of us personally, those in this auditorium and those watching online. God, I pray that you would give us a greater revelation of your peace and help us learn how to live daily in your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, on Christmas morning, many people will be opening gifts that come with owner manuals. Have you ever received a gift that came with an owner's manual? I've received gifts that came with owner's manual. I'm sure most of us have at one time or another. I am not even going to ask if you've read the owner's manual or if you make a habit of reading owner's manuals because I would guess that many of you don't, kind of like me. And I sometimes read it, but very often don't. And I remember in the past, well, this has probably happened on multiple occasions, where I received a gift and, and got it all ready to use. And then a couple months down the road, started having trouble with it. Then I thought, well, where is that owner's manual? Pulled it out and realized, oh, man, I really should have read this earlier, much sooner, when I got the gift. Oh, wow, I didn't know that it could even do these different things. Sometimes owner's manuals are important and need to be read. And so today, as we talk about the fact that Christmas is peace, there's really two parts to this message. The first part, we're going to be talking about this gift that we have, this gift of peace. And then we're going to talk about what the owner's manual has to say about living in that peace. All right? So first, let's talk about the gift of peace. There's really three aspects I want to talk about this morning. And the first is just the fact that Jesus himself is peace. Remember, it was prophesied of Jesus coming in Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He is peace. It's his very nature. It's who he is. And that word peace in the original writings, it's the Hebrew word shalom, which literally means complete soundness, total welfare, wholeness in every area of life. It signifies peace with God and peace with each other. Jesus himself is peace. And then remember in Luke chapter 2, when the angel announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, and then it says that the heavenly host joined and, and they were praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The one who is peace had come to the earth. So then there was peace on the earth because Jesus is peace. The second thing I want us to notice about this gift, not only is Jesus himself peace, but Jesus gave his peace to us. 
Just before Jesus ascended to heaven, he said in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You see, Jesus does not give the same kind of peace the world gives. What's the world's peace like? It is conditional. Oh, well, things are going great, so there's peace. It is temporary. It's basically just an emotion. But since Jesus himself is peace, his peace is far more than an emotion. His peace is supernatural. We do not have to live in fear. We do not have to live in turmoil, troubled in our hearts, because he has given us his peace. Isaiah 53 tells us that Jesus paid the ultimate price for our peace on Calvary. And then in Matthew chapter 1, when the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream, telling him, don't be afraid. What Mary has said is true. The Holy Spirit has come upon her, and she's going to have a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. That word save, yes, it means forgiveness of sins, but it means so much more than that as well. It includes wholeness, health, peace for our minds. You see, when we ask Jesus to be our savior, peace is given to us and comes to live in us by his spirit. Peace has been given to us. And then the third thing I want us to see about this gift is that Jesus wants to guide us into his peace. Remember in Luke chapter 1 when John the Baptist was born and Zechariah, his mouth is opened and he begins to prophesy about his son, John the Baptist. And he says that he will prepare the way of the Lord. He will tell people what Jesus come, is coming to do for them. And then he begins to list some of those things that Jesus will do for them to be their savior, to forgive their sins. And then in verse 79 of Luke 1, it says, And to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. You know, last week we looked at this verse when we talked about light, that Jesus is light, that he's come to light our way, to light the road. He's lighting our way to guide our feet into the way of peace. He wants to guide us into his peace. He wants us to experience and live in his peace every single day. So... If we've been given this incredible gift of peace in Jesus, then why is it that so often we live without peace? Why is it that so many believers live with fear and anxiousness and live in turmoil in their hearts? Think about this with me for a moment. Think about the guy who is always in financial crisis. 
cannot make ends meet for anything. And finally, one day, his father comes to him and says, son, you don't know this. We've lived modestly, but I have extreme wealth and I'm gonna give you your inheritance now. And he says, I have the money and I'm gonna give you the money, but I'm also going to give you a step-by-step guide, a manual, if you will, to know how to manage and steward that money so you will never find yourself in this place of lack again. He says, I'm not doing it for you, but I'm giving you everything you need. And the son was so excited. He's like, you're kidding me. This is amazing. Oh my gosh. And he reads the principles that his father laid out for him. He's like, this is awesome. Yes, I'm going to do this. This is incredible. I am never going to be in lack again. And he says, but first I need to, you know, catch up and pay things off and, and that sort of thing. So he does that. And then He looks back at those principles. Yeah, those are amazing principles. I am going to do that. But, you know, at first I really need to buy myself a house. And then, wow, it has been a rough year. I really need a vacation. And so he takes a great vacation, and then he comes back. Those principles are so good. I'm going to put them to work in my life. But right now I just... I have some friends that have really been going through a hard time. I need to send them on vacation. And then, oh, this one friend, they need a house so bad. I'm going to buy them a house. And before he knows it, the money is gone. And all the resources are gone. He finds himself back in that place of financial crisis without any of the resources that had been given to him. And you know... I think that sometimes that is how we steward the peace that has been given to us. We find ourselves in a difficult place, desperately needing peace, and then what do we do? We decide, oh, I should probably go to church, and maybe I can find someone to pray with me. And we come in, we go to church, and and we sense God's presence, and and we're reminded of God's principles. And we pray with someone, and oh, we feel so much better. We have the peace of God. And then we're like, yeah, man, I I had lost sight of those principles. They're so good. I am going to put them to work in my life. And we get going and we think about, I am doing so good. You know what? I don't really need that right now. So I'm just doing great. And we start doing our own thing, going on our way. And then life starts getting stressful. Life starts getting overwhelming. Challenges hit. And then we find ourselves in a place of turmoil once again, that place of desperately needing peace. And too often, we live in this cycle of turmoil, desperately needing peace, to finding peace. Then again, turmoil, desperately needing peace. Find a little peace, then turmoil again, desperately needing peace. Then we find a little peace. God doesn't want us to live in that kind of cycle. He wants us to live daily and stay in 
peace. You know, the earthly father in that illustration would have easily become frustrated, impatient, and probably pretty irritated with his son. And the resources would have been limited and run out. But our heavenly father, he never gets irritated with us. And his resources, his peace, it never, ever runs out, even in the midst of the worst challenges of life. We can stay in his peace. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, peace is not the absence of challenges. The peace of God can be experienced even in the midst of challenges. Jesus is saying here, we will have challenges. He knew we would face challenges in this life. But he also knows that we're human. And from time to time, we find ourselves in need of greater peace. And he never, ever condemns us. He lovingly guides us right back into that place of finding his principles that will lead us into peace and keep us in peace if we apply them to our lives. And these principles, they're like the owner's manual for peace. You know, we know that we've all been given this gift of peace, but... Now, let's see what the owner's manual tells us about how we can all stay in his peace every day, all right? The Apostle Paul, he learned these principles. And let me tell you, Paul had every reason to not be in peace, Every natural reason. I mean, he could have lived in such inner turmoil because of guilt over his past. I mean, he severely persecuted and even aided in the killing of Christians. But then he had this radical encounter with Jesus. And he steps out in ministry to lead others to Jesus. And when he does that, he is severely persecuted. He's got people against him from every side, people opposing him, people who are angry with him for his past life, people who didn't think that he was credible, people who wanted him dead. He could have lived in so much fear and turmoil, but instead he learned to be content and to live in peace regardless of his circumstances, regardless of what anyone said to him and what anyone did to him. And in his letter to the church at Philippi, he teaches three principles that we can all learn from to continually live in peace. Now, these are principles that you may have heard many, many times before, but... If you're stressed out, if you're anxious, if you're overwhelmed, if you're fearful, in turmoil, or lacking peace for any reason, then maybe it's time to come back 
to these principles. Remind ourselves of them and ask ourselves if we are really putting them to work in our lives and allowing them to be a lifestyle, the way in which we live, all right? So first I want to look at Philippians 4 and verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The first principle we see from this verse is talk to God about everything. Can I tell you that complaining to God is not really prayer because prayer is a conversation and that's talking at God, not talking to God in conversation. And he wants us to talk with him. Worrying is not praying. It says that by prayer and supplication. And you know, through the years, I have heard so many different explanations and definitions of supplication. But I recently read one in a commentary that just really struck me. And I, it just really stuck with me. It says, supplication is genuine asking. Transferring our burden into God's hands, expecting him to get involved. This week, we had a lot going on this week. Every day, every night, it was a bit of a a full and crazy week. And I found myself at one point during the week feeling a little anxious. So I sat down to talk to God about it. And then after a few minutes, I had to get ready to get on to the next thing. And I remember standing up and thinking to myself, oh, I still feel anxious. Did I really pray? No, God, I think I just complained to you. And I had to catch myself. And I made myself sit back down and say, God, I didn't transfer that burden to you at all. I'm still holding on to it. And I had to talk to him about it again, ask him to get involved, and then remind myself of verses, promises that told me what he wanted to do in me and through me and in my situations. And then once I did that, I felt that burden transfer onto him and I sensed the peace of God. We need to talk to God about everything in a way that we transfer our burdens onto him, put our cares on him because he cares for us. And then it says, pray with thanksgiving. So the second principle we can learn here is to have a heart of gratitude and expectation. You see, thanksgiving really signifies that we believe God, that we trust him and fully expect him to work in our situation and to work for our good. We will never be able to genuinely thank him in advance if we don't believe him. If we don't trust him, if we don't believe and expect him to work in our situation. But when we do that, the result is found in the very next verse, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So... When we talk to God about everything, transferring our burdens to him, thanking him because we trust him and we expect that he's going to intervene, 
Peace will stand guard over our minds and our hearts. That word guard, it's literally like a military post. Like Pete's takes a military stance guarding our minds and our hearts when we're in that place. So we've got this peace, but Paul's not done. He continues on. Sometimes we can look at this and say, no, we're good. We've, we've got the peace and just stop there. But he's not done. And in verse 8, he says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You see, Paul was human, and he knew that our thoughts would try to derail us and steal our peace. But part of our responsibility in stewarding the peace that has been given to us is this third principle, take charge of our thoughts. You see, we can find peace, but then we think, oh, we're good. That peace is standing guard. But then when we go and we start thinking about the problem again, when we start worrying about it, or we start becoming fearful about it, you know what we're doing? We're telling the peace that is standing guard, hey, you're off duty. You don't need to stand guard anymore. I'm going to step in. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm, I'm going to stand guard right here because I just want to get back into that place of, of fear and turmoil. Now, obviously, we never consciously think that is what we're doing. But in essence, that is what we are doing. See, no one else, nothing else can steal my peace. Only I can give it away. And it happens with our thoughts. No one else, nothing else can steal your peace. You're the only one that can give it away. If we want to stay in that place of peace, we have got to take charge of our thoughts. That's what will keep us in that place of peace. So that's why Paul is putting that verse in right here. Okay, we've got peace standing guard. But then don't slip back into thinking about the problem. Think about the good. Think about the praiseworthy. Think about God's promises, what he is going to do, what he wants to do, what that expectation is in our hearts. Maybe it's even in a conflict with a person. Think about the good in that person. You know how much just that one little thing would diffuse right there? We need to take charge of our thoughts. And then in verse 9, the next verse, Paul says, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the peace of God will be with you. He's saying, I have learned this firsthand. I have been walking this out. I've been walking that out with you. You've seen me walk this out. I know what I'm talking about. So when you do these three principles, when you put them to work, the God of peace will be with you. I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to mental reminders and checklists. And so I do this kind of thing all the time, especially when I'm traveling. 
I don't want to forget something. You know how easy it is to leave something small in the seat in the airport or on the airplane, and I don't want to forget anything. The big things, I know where those are, but it's those little things. So I always do this little mental three-point check in my head. I know, I already told you I'm a nerd, so just bear with me. And I said, I say to myself constantly when I'm traveling, Phone, passport, iPad. Phone, passport, iPad. Every time I stand up, phone, passport, iPad. Phone, passport, iPad. I probably say it to people around me. I know I've said it to my husband. He doesn't really appreciate it. But (laughs) I say that to myself as a mental reminder. How much more should we be giving ourselves a mental checklist and reminder to keep ourselves in this place of peace? And we can do that with these three principles, these three very important things in the owner's manual for peace that we need to steward in our life. And all we have to say to ourselves is mouth, heart, mind, mouth, heart, mind, mouth. Am I talking to God about everything and transferring my burdens to him? Heart, is my heart in a position of gratitude and expectation? Mind, is my mind thinking on things that are going to keep me in a place of peace? Can you imagine every day, if all throughout the day, we're saying that to ourselves, mouth, heart, mind, mouth, heart, mind, mouth, heart, mind, mouth, heart, mind. We would stay in greater peace than we've ever experienced before. We need to take charge and steward the peace that God has given us so that we can live daily in that supernatural peace. I want to close with one final verse found in Colossians 3. Verse 15, it says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. That word rule, it literally means to govern and prevail. It is my responsibility to let peace prevail, to let peace control my life. And then it says that we are called to this. As children of God, we are called to let the peace that has been given to us control our lives. It says we are called to this in one body. You see, we are the body of Christ, and it is the intention of God that the peace among us would convey his supernatural peace to the world around us who so desperately needs it. They are watching. We'll never have peace among us if we don't first start stewarding the peace he's given us individually and walk in that peace daily. What are others seeing when they see you? Are they seeing peace flooding out of you? Maybe you're dealing with a difficult relationship right now. Have you done that three-point check? Are you talking to God about it? Are you transferring that burden to him? Are you expectant in your heart, trusting that God's going to intervene and do something in that relationship? Are you keeping your thoughts 
on things that will keep you in peace? Are you thinking about the good, the praiseworthy in that person? Maybe they need to see peace flooding through you onto them. Maybe you're feeling a bit overwhelmed with life today. Maybe there's a big challenge that you're facing right now. What are those around you seeing in you? You see, whatever we deal with in life, we're not created to do it alone. And when we apply these three principles to peace, God will get involved. And we will continually grow in experiencing more and more and more of his peace. Experiencing peace in our personal lives, experiencing peace in our relationships, it all starts by making peace with God, experiencing peace with him, our creator. Jesus, the one who is peace, is the pathway to find peace with God. He said, none come to the Father except through me. And maybe you are here today, or maybe you're watching online right now. Maybe you have never made peace with God. Maybe you've even been coming to church for quite a while, but you've never surrendered your life to him and asked him to be Lord of your life. Why wait? Why wait a moment longer? He wants to lead you into a life of supernatural peace. There's so much that he has for you. And right now, I just want to pray a prayer. And I want to ask if that is you in this place and you want to make your peace with God today, would you just in your own heart and in your own words, just pray this with me. Wrap your heart around your prayer and say this from your heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me, that you sent Jesus to die for me so that I can live in relationship with you. And God, right now, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. And I choose to walk in relationship with you every day from this day forward. Help me to grow in relationship with you, in Jesus' name, amen. And right now, I want to pray another prayer. I want to pray for every person in this place, every person watching online, that we would truly experience God's peace. And maybe you're here, and maybe you have really been battling fear or anxiety or turmoil in your heart. I want you right now to just lift that up to God and ask him to wash through you with his peace. 
as we pray together. Father, right now, I pray for every person in this place, every person watching online. God, you know each one intimately. You know each one by name. You know every detail of their lives and everything they're facing and dealing with. And Father, right now, I am asking that your supernatural peace, your miracle-working peace would wash over their minds and hearts right now and drive out every bit of fear, anxiety, turmoil, confusion, now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that every person here would experience your peace. And God, I pray that you would help us to be people who would put the principles of your word to work in our lives that we would learn to stay in your peace every day in the midst of everything we face. God, help us to live in peace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. You know, if you are here today and and you prayed that first prayer with me and and chose to make peace with God today. Before you leave, we just have a little gift that we want to give you. It's really just a little booklet called The Next Seven Days, just to help you get started walking in relationship with God. And there's a few ways you can get that. After we dismiss today, we'll have prayer teams standing down front here. You can just come to any of them and let them know that you prayed that prayer and you'd like to receive that booklet. Also, if you're in a hurry, you can get it at the next seven days counter out in the foyer right between the glass doors. Or if you are watching online, you will see instructions on your screen how you can get that as well. Okay, we just want to put that into your hands. It's the greatest decision you can make, but it is just the beginning. God has so much ahead for you. Can we just put our hands together and welcome people into God's family today? Awesome. Awesome. And hey, while we're clapping, can we give it up for Pastor Ann and thank her so much for that message this morning? I know that our prayer for you today and for our church family in this Christmas season is that you would experience God's peace in your families, during your celebrations, but not only that, but also just in your everyday life and your relationships and your workplace and everything that's going on in your world, that you would experience God's peace. And it means so much more this Christmas season. So thank you again so much for being here today. At this time in our service, one of the things that we're gonna do is we're gonna take a moment and just honor God by bringing our tithes and our offerings into the house. And this is a point in service where so many of us, we prepared for this moment, we came ready to give today. And so if you're ready to do that, this is the time we'll do that collectively. But maybe you're wondering how you can give today. There's some different ways that you can give up on the screen right now. You can choose whatever option is most convenient for you, digital options. If you'd like to give in person this morning, we have giving stations. Right before you exit this room, the auditorium on either side of the exit doors, there's also a giving station outside in the foyer, in the foyer near the uh, kids' first-time check-in area. You can just 
grab an envelope there on your seat back and give the way that is most convenient for you. But we're so grateful for your, your generosity and for the way in which you put God first and honor him with your finances. And I just want to take a moment and highlight a couple of things because, you know, when we reach the holiday season, we recognize that this is a time of year where we give. And our giving is so much more than just honoring God, but you guys have been incredibly generous in the way that you have met needs this holiday season. You know, going back to last month through our Thanksgiving food drive, you were over and above in the the food that you donated and the financial contributions that you made to make sure that people had a great Thanksgiving this year. And so we wanna say thank you for that. But not only that, over the last couple of weeks, we've been telling you about our Christmas gift initiative. And, you know, we received name submissions over the last couple of Sundays. And then last week we began uh, giving people the opportunity here in our church to purchase gifts for those kids. And in both of our morning services last week, all those kids were spoken for, and we're gonna be able to bless those families with gifts for their kids. There are no unanswered needs, and we are so very excited about that. So thank you so much for your generosity. And, you know, I think it's important that we say this also about our Christmas gift initiative. Um, Today, people are bringing in the gifts that they committed to purchasing, and you can still do that next Sunday as well. Next Sunday is the last Sunday for that. But you know, we are not doing this for the sake of those families knowing who did it. We're doing it so that those families have a win. We are putting the gifts in the hands of the parents so that they can give them to their kids and collectively they can have an awesome Christmas knowing that those needs have been met. So we get to be a part in that. And we might not get to see those kids' faces when they receive those gifts this year, but I'll tell you what, God saw it when you gave generously to make sure that those needs were met. So thank you again so much for your generosity. It means the world to us to be able to partner with you in that. And you know, speaking of Christmas, we have our Christmas services coming up uh, throughout the rest of this month and as well as New Year's Day. But I have to just take a moment and just be selfish and talk about us for a second if I can, because for our family, for the Martin family, we had a Christmas gift that came early this year because on Tuesday night of this week, our little baby boy, Zion Zachary Martin, was born <laughs> into our family. We actually have a picture of him right there. He was born on Tuesday evening. He was 7 pounds, 12 ounces. He was very healthy. Thank you, Jesus. Mama's doing great. We were very, very privileged to get to do that at home on Tuesday night, and it was an amazing and incredible experience that we will never forget. And I just want to say thank you all so much because so many people in our church family have reached out to our family just to say congratulations, but also really prayed for us and with us over the last few days leading up to all that, not knowing when it was coming. So thank you all so much for that. We were excited to get to share that with you guys because you are our church family. But hey, back to business at hand. Christmas services are coming up very soon, and we are excited about it. One of the best traditions here at the Bridge Church is our Christmas Eve candlelight services, and they're happening on Saturday, December the 24th, Christmas Eve at 4 and 5.30 p.m. This room is packed out every year for our Christmas Eve candlelight services. If you have never been, I promise you, this is one of the most unforgettable services of the year. It's so incredibly special and meaningful. We'll be reading the Christmas story. We'll be singing Christmas carols and other special Christmas songs together. We'll have our candlelighting moments. But above all, it's just so special to share that celebration as a church family. So we not just invite you, but also your family, your neighbors, your friends. Invite them, bring them. It's going to be an incredibly meaningful Christmas Eve. And then, of course, the following day, Christmas Day, is on a Sunday this year. So what we are doing is we will not be having in-person services on Christmas Day. Instead, Christmas Day is online because we want you to celebrate Christmas in your homes 
with your families. So our services will be ready to go for you. You can live stream them at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. or you can watch them on demand at whatever time you would like to participate in that with your families. But our request is that you would make our Christmas Day service online a part of your Christmas Day celebration as a family because it's such a meaningful time together to be able to look at each one of our family members and point to the true meaning of Christmas. So we invite you to participate in that. And then finally, very last thing, We are so excited to tell you that on New Year's Day, it also falls on a Sunday this year, we're going to be having one service right here at 10 a.m. It'll be a New Year's Day celebration. We're going to be reflecting on all the good things that God has done in the the previous year, this year, 2022. But we're also going to be preparing our hearts for the big things that He wants to do in the year ahead. So I really invite you, I encourage you, I challenge you to be here on New Year's Day. I know a lot of people stay up late, most of us. We stay up late on New Year's Eve, and that's awesome. Celebrate together. But I really encourage you to be here on New Year's Day because we're going to be looking ahead and believing for God to do great things in 2023. Can anybody get excited about that? God doing great things in your lives. Amen. Well, hey, Merry Christmas. We love you, church. We hope that you've had a great time in service with us today. God bless you. Have a great Sunday, an amazing week. We'll see you in the house next Sunday.